Have you ever heard God speak? I mean, have you ever been somewhere and felt a strong feeling that God is asking you to go somewhere? Or maybe to speak to a particular someone? Or to do a particular thing? My wife Dawn refers to these as God nudges. You know, God nudges you, maybe to or from a thing. Have you ever heard God speak? The Bible is clear. God does, in fact, speak to his people. Sometimes it's through a, a still small voice. Sometimes it's through his word. Listen, every time you open your Bible, he's speaking. Sometimes he's confirming truth. Sometimes he's calling you out. And our God is infinitely creative. He speaks a whole bunch of ways through other people, maybe through dreams, maybe through circumstances in your life. What I want to talk with you about today is this truth. Often, God speaks profoundly, get this, through our pain. Hear me. This is what I want to talk with you about today. God doesn't waste our pain. Can you relate to that sentiment? Philosophers have spilled a lot of ink over the years, waxing eloquently about pain, the meaning of pain what pain produces. And hear me, from the world's perspective, from a secular vantage point, listen, pain is absolutely meaningless. A true secularist would say that life is short, so life should probably be about maximizing pleasure and minimizing pain. That's the point, right? That's what you want to get out of it. So from a non-Christian viewpoint, pain is simply an interruption. It doesn't serve any purpose. It's a speed bump on the way to your pleasure and to be avoided at all costs. Richard Dawkins, the author of the book, The God Delusion, he said this, the total amount of suffering per year in the natural world is beyond all decent contemplation. I read that not long ago, and just a couple days ago, I was scrolling through my social media feed. And um, I came across this scene, a video somebody was shooting of a beautiful wedding. And you had the beautiful bride and the handsome groom, and they were exchanging their vows, and then all of a sudden you heard this, can I say God-awful sound, just over and to our left. And the videographer, the person with their phone, kind of panned over. And, and as they were doing it, you could kind of see the look of horror on the bride's face and the groom looking concerned. And it was an awful sound. It was a chorus of three voices. One of them, as the video camera panned over, it was a baby moose. That was one of the voices. The other was a grizzly bear that was mauling the moose. And the other was the baby moose's mama, mama moose. A horrific scene from nature, as you can imagine. Dawkins is probably right up until that point, but he continues in that quote. After talking about suffering in nature, he says, in a universe of blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people aren't gonna get hurt. Other people are going to get lucky and you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties that we should expect if there is, at bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. I.e., your pain is meaningless. 
because your existence is meaningless. Listen, if all you're observing is grizzly bears savaging baby moose, well, you've missed out on the goodness of God and his order and design. Well, that might be a natural conclusion then. Other religions have their own take on pain. Some say that pain is a direct result of what they call karma. Pain is a part of the justice scales of the universe. Pain, and the more pain you have, equals bad karma that you have. Some other religions say that you should just get over pain. It's not real. Move beyond it. Some have said that pain is a result of cosmic interplay and conflict, and still other religions have said that it's simply your destiny. Some people are simply destined for pain. Thank God. Thank God that the Bible turns all of those theories on their head. The Bible doesn't say any of that. It talks about the Creator God who can take all of the junk that flows out of a sinful, fallen, and cursed world, and He's able to use it for our good. God is able to redeem our pain. He takes it and is able to use it according to His divine purpose to move you along in His plan for your life. In fact, writing his book called The Problem of Pain, C.S. Lewis offers this insight. We can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. In other words, God has something for you, even in the midst of your pain. And the Bible has a great deal to say about pain. Cover to cover, you're going to find the Bible speaking about the issue of pain, sometimes at great length. But one of the most succinct passages we find right here in the New Testament, at the beginning of a letter written by a guy named James. James chapter 1, verse 2, if you want to go there with me right now, he says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Listen, the Greek word that's used there, the word trial, this is periosmos, can indicate a trial, it can indicate a test, temptation, but it also can indicate a disaster or a plague or even sickness. It's got a wide range of meaning. The New Testament scholar at Wheaton College, Douglas Moo, says this about James intentionally using this particular word. He says, by stressing that the trials were, quote, of many kinds, James deliberately casts his net widely, including the many kinds of sufferings that Christians undergo in this fallen world. Sickness, loneliness, bereavement, disappointment. James, from the outset of his letter, he wants his readers to have perspective for what God is doing. And he wants them to be able to respond to God, get this, in the midst of their pain. In a way that God intends for them to grow and move forward in their walk with him. Why? Because God speaks through our pain. Something else striking about the way James begins this letter is what he writes right here in verse 2. Did you catch it? 
it says when, not if, when you meet trials of various kinds. It's when it happens, not if. Jesus spoke to this in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, here, here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows. You will have many trials. Trials, pain, hardship. According to Jesus, those will be a part of life. So how are we to understand how God speaks to us through our pain? Listen, I want to share with you today five realities lifted straight out of this text on how God speaks to us through our pain. First, and if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Through pain, God speaks to the source of our joy. Hear me. If you're a Christian, your joy comes from Jesus. James said in chapter 1, verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Think of the application. If you weren't a Christian, that's just plain weird. When you're going through pain in joy, that has to sound like nonsense to a non-believer. And it is nonsense. Unless you're grounded in the eternal creator God of the universe who is able to work all things together for your good, God has a purpose. He is sovereign over all of it. Count it all joy if your joy is grounded in him. James is saying that pain is uniquely positioned to tell us where we are finding our joy. Pain informs us where we find our satisfaction and where the bottom line of contentment is found inside your life. Is it found in circumstance? Is it found in distraction? Is joy found in experiences? Well, pain will tell you. God will speak to you about the source of your joy. In other words, is your joy, the deep satisfaction you find in life, is it deeply rooted in God Almighty? Here's the second reality. Through pain, God speaks to us of our need for each other. James chapter 1, verse 2 said, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. It appears that he's just speaking to men there. He said, brothers. It could be translated, though, my brothers and my sisters. He's using a plural pronoun. He uses singular elsewhere. But he's saying that there is a unifying purpose in pain. It binds us together. Listen, have you ever done a do-it-yourself project and maybe you're not a do-it-yourself kind of a person and your wife says, really, are, are you going to tackle that project? You swagger and say, well, of course, I'm going to pull this off. And you do the thing and you hit your thumb and immediately you start dancing and your body responds and you dance around and you're trying to get that. When one member suffers, everybody in the body gets in on it, right? Pain attracts attention to the entire body. Pain brings you back to the community. When you encounter pain, if the church is the body of Christ, when you encounter pain, you remember that you aren't intended to be on an island. God begins to speak to you about the vital connection that you have to the community of God. Paul said, when one member suffers, we all suffer. Through pain, God speaks to us of our need for one another. Here's the third reality. Through pain, God speaks 
well, deeper than our knowledge. I mentioned C.S. Lewis a bit ago. He's one of my favorite authors, and in one of my favorites of the books that he published, well, he actually didn't intend for it to be published. He wrote a journal after his wife Joy passed away, and that journal was published under the title, A Grief Observed. And as I read through it, I found this paragraph tucked in there as a kind of a stream of consciousness, random flow. I loved the question that he poses. Can a mortal ask questions which God finds unanswerable? Well, quite easily, I would think. All nonsense questions are unanswerable. Like, how many hours are there in a mile? Is yellow square or round? Perhaps half of the questions that we ask, half of our great theological and metaphysical problems are like that. Through pain, God speaks deeper than our knowledge. Sometimes we tend to outthink or try to overthink even God. Another way to state this third reality would be this, though through pain, God speaks to our hearts what we know in our heads. When he moves the truth of his reality deeper, 18 inches deeper from your head to your heart. What did James chapter 1, verse 3 said? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. In his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, Tim Keller says this, Believers understand many doctrinal truths in the mind, but these truths seldom make the journey down into the heart, except through disappointment and failure and loss. It's through pain that often God speaks the reality of his truth into our hearts. Those truths take up real residence here through pain and the weight of them, the power of them, all of a sudden we begin to feel them. You know, you can't feel the weight of God's promise that we find in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You can't feel that weight unless you've been left. You know the words, maybe? because they've abandoned me. They've walked out on me. And then all of a sudden, it becomes precious, this reassurance that you have a God in heaven who says, I will never do that to you. The weight of it becomes true to you in the context of felt pain. God is speaking to you. God is talking directly to your heart. God has taken a truth that is abstract and he plants it into the core of your being. The psalmist writes in Psalm 34, verse 18, that the Lord is near. God is close to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. It's a lovely verse, but it's a lifeline. It's a lifeline if you're brokenhearted. It's a lifeline if you're crushed in spirit. The truth that God is near. Take heart, because through pain, God speaks to our hearts what we know in our heads. How many times have I been at a funeral and I see this? God is near to the brokenhearted. He's true to his word and they come true to our hearts through pain. Here's the fourth reality. Through pain, God speaks against stagnation. Maybe another way to say this. Through pain, God speaks to the need for our faith to grow. 
How many of you know, do you know, you need to grow? Let me say this, you have not arrived. No matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, you're not through growing. What did James chapter one, verse three say? It said, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Peter echoes this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen, the idea in both of these passages is not to test your faith, to see if it's real or not. Newsflash, God knows if your faith is real. He knows your heart. It's also not to see how you're going to respond to suffering. He knows already how you will handle it. It's not counterfeit faith versus real faith. Then why? Well, so that he can open your eyes so that he can open your heart to the real state of your faith. There's something about walking through pain and walking through trial that speaks to our hearts and shows us what God maybe still needs to refine, like precious metal that we just read about in 1 Peter. He cultivates an inner strength, an inner trust in us that didn't exist before the trial started. Truth be told, you didn't even know that deficiency existed before. But he opened your eyes to begin to address it and to walk from it in greater power, in greater strength, in greater effectiveness, in greater faith. Now, the fifth, the fifth reality. Through pain, God speaks to his faithfulness. The passage goes on, James chapter 1, verse 4, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. Say that with me, will you? Nothing. Look at the same verse in the NIV. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Hear this. We make a mistake if we think that the only reason we walk through a trial is so that, well, so that God can deliver us from a trial. Listen, that's way too one-dimensional for an almighty God. God delivers people all the time, yes, but there are things he wants to do in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of your heart that he finds just as valuable as you getting out of it. There are things that he's cultivating in you, in the trial and in the pain. He wants to break through to your heart. And what does the beginning of that verse mean? Let perseverance finish its work. Perseverance, this word that's used here, it means remaining under. The word picture here is of somebody who's carrying a heavy load for a long way or maybe for a long time. What hearing God's voice in the midst of our pain requires, and we don't like to hear this, we want to run from this, but the truth is, it requires patience. Are you weary? Hold on. Are you hurting? Hang in there. 
Does this pain feel overwhelming? Hear me, stay the course. Our temptation is to say, God, what do you need me to learn from this so that it can be over? It doesn't escape me, the reality of today. We're gathering on the lawn as a church family today. We did two of these worship services this year. We call it Worship on the Lawn. And this was a strategy born out of a need during the lockdown portion of the COVID-19 pandemic two years ago. We met outside because we had to. Well, today we're gathering outside and we're worshiping our Savior together in God's beautiful creation together. Why? Because we get to. And today, we're celebrating a whole bunch of baptisms. I know of six for sure. Maybe there's more. Two years later, in the same location, and even as I work on this sermon, I'm saying, yay, God. Praise God. There was a lot of pain during that era two years ago, and we typically approach pain with this prayer. God, take it away now. I don't want it. I don't want it to be even near me. I don't want to even be reminded of it. And yet... God is saying, trust me. Let me finish my work in your heart. If you trust me, I'm going to do something you can't even begin to imagine. Trust in me. Hope in me. Look to me. Would you pray with me right now? God, it does not escape my attention that there might be somebody who is following with this message right now, who's walking through a trial, who's walking through a temptation, who's walking through pain. Lord, I pray. I pray that as you walk with them, they feel your presence. They feel you walking with them in a powerful way. Lord, there's space to learn and to grow even in the midst of pain. And Lord, I pray that happens for them even today as we pray. And it's in your name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.